Welcome to the Stanley Street Social Podcast presented by the TAC. My name is Alex Clements and today on the show we've got Lucas Hamilton who's heading into his first ever Tour de France. The Australian athlete from Ararat, he's had a, a nice consistent run this year of top 10s throughout many of the major lead-up races uh, heading into the Tour de France and we caught up caught up with him a week out to chat about how he's feeling about the event, his actual role in the race and just that massive step that you take as an athlete, as, as a cyclist. You go from being a professional cyclist to a cyclist that races the Tour de France. It's a big deal. So it's fantastic to have Lucas on. A massive thank you to our presenting partner, the TAC. We are proud to be a part of their The Road Is For Us All campaign, uh, ensuring that cyclists make sure that they do their part as well to make sure that everyone stays safe out there on the road. If you do enjoy this episode, please let us know via social media or leave a review on the iTunes store. We also did an episode last week, uh, Cycling 101. If you are newish to the sport, this might be a useful episode that uh, Campbell Flakemore, Max Gorn, the Melbourne Football Club captain, and myself go back to basics, back to the bare bones of the sport and explain what's what, who's who, uh, why the tiny little intricacies of cycling happen uh, and what it all means, especially leading up to the Tour de France as most Australians and most sports fans will be having many sleepless nights to come. If you want to check that out, that is uh, our latest episode and then our next episode will be with Max Gorn and Campbell Flatmore again, uh, but this time taking a look at the team sheets, uh, looking at the riders, looking at the, the race course and making some predictions around where we think the race is going to head over the coming three weeks. Thanks for tuning in. Massive thank you to the TAC and we look forward to the upcoming Tour de France. Welcome to the Stanley Street Social Podcast presented by the TAC, new presenting partner, Lucas, as part of their road campaign, uh, The Road Belongs to Us All obviously. First of all, congratulations on being selected for the Tour de France. Something that is something that is massive. Like you can, you can tell people when you meet them now, I've ridden the Tour de France. I'm a pro cyclist. I've ridden the Tour de France. Um, And then also I imagine, I imagine Bruce and Kaz back at home in Ararat are pretty, pretty excited. Who bouncing off the walls. Yeah. Well, touch wood. I haven't ridden it yet, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I guess the tour is the tour, isn't it? Like, you you spend uh, sit up nights and hour at the family watching it. Um, all those all those things you associate with the tour, like the sounds of crowds in the background, Phil Leggett, Paul Sherwin, um, you know, staying up late with mum and dad watching the tour, even before I was cycling. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's pretty ingrained. So to to be riding it's uh it's pretty special. Mm. It did, does it have to be like this, yeah to be starting. Yeah. yeah. You're there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you got one week yeah. to go. Yeah. Exactly. Um you might not know this because you haven't actually actually been there yet, but like you um I don't know, as a as a junior, you go to like those you go to Italian races, whatnot. You go to French races, whatnot. Then you go to Lavinia and Wells. And you're like, oh, this is a, this is a level up from the rest of it. It would be interesting to see if, if it feels like a bigger event, a bigger deal, because it it is in the scheme of things. Like you talk to 
you talk to punters around here, like you said, that uh, the general sports fan, they actually watch the race. Um, they're actually staying up when then they just log off for the rest of the cycling season. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how it actually feels as an athlete to be running the Tour de France. Yeah, yeah. I reckon maybe potentially like COVID dies it down a little bit. Um, obviously, I don't know, but I'm assuming that it, it has some, maybe takes a little bit of the feel away, but in terms of just the build-up and like my feeling leading into the race is probably something I've never had before. Like it's, uh, it, it does feel different like already, like just the Tour de France is just, and to be honest, I didn't really think it would like a, leading into the Juro and stuff. I had the same sort of like, you know, it's the Juro, it's pretty special feeling and whatnot. And it's like big races like that. You always have like a little bit more, you know, you're probably like in training that you're like, you, it's in your back of your mind a little bit more predominantly like, but uh, heading into the tour for some, it's, it is a little bit more of a buzz, you know, like, People back in Oz. I think it's because people back in Oz recognise the tour a lot more than any other race in the world, um, like a lot more. <laughs> like, do you think about? Uh, do you uh, think about like, oh, people are watching me on TV? Like, this is actually this actually matters to people. Yeah. Oh, no, it doesn't. Like, I guess, I guess the biggest thing for me is just is your family and, mm. and your mates, probably um, your friends and family, like they're they're a lot more invested and they, uh, they sort of are very aware of um, what the, the tour is and what it entails. So I think for me, that's, that's the bit that maybe creates a little bit more buzz around it leading in. Mm. What, what was different in the prep preparation wise? Or was it just your mentality? Oh, nothing really. <laughs> I guess uh, it's, 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 it's the same as what you're like, you're always trying to get better and um I guess this year I've done a lot more uh, riding as a GC rider and I've done pretty much I've only done one one-day race, which was uh, Liège. So all the other one-week races have just been uh, GC and GC races. So that's probably the biggest difference is the race programs maybe changed a bit. But, um, yeah, apart from that, not, not much. Just keep mm. training. When, when do they tell you? Like when, when did you know? Well, first of all, that it's on the cards and two, like I'm, I'm racing Tour de France. I guess I knew pretty early, uh, like last year, probably in the plan, like you, I, you have a plan for the year, like what, the, like most of the season is, I'd say, based around the Grand Tours. So the team will normally make you aware of which Grand Tour they, they plan on taking you to. Um, and that's, that, that's done quite early, like in October or so, November, year before. Um, but then actually, yeah, getting finalised in the team. Um, you know, I guess you're not really finalised until until the team's announced, really. Uh, obviously, they'll tell you that you're in and there's no stress and whatnot, but, like, anything can happen. Um, and I think you've also got to prove your spot a little bit. Just because they've planned it back in October doesn't mean that uh, if you can rock up at all the races leading in and... and and not not yeah. do any good and still get picked. Put the feet <laughs> you can't be hoop group. You can't be a hoop group <laughs> at Swiss, and then they'd be like, "Yeah, we'll take you." Oh, so you've been running um, top tens pretty much all year, so it has been going well. Um, Swiss, you obviously had a little health issue. Uh, that was a week ago now. How is the stomach? 
Um, yeah, they knocked me for six. Nine <laughs> of us went down in the team. It was, uh, it was different it was, food. No, nah, it was a virus of some sort. I don't know, like whatever it was. It was, it was death warmed up. It was, yeah. uh, it was something else. But lucky, it was only twenty four hour thing. So like, I turned around pretty quick. Um, and pretty much the Swiss squad is our whole tour squad. So it was a bit unfortunate to happen, but it was probably good that it happened there um, mm. and not not later in the race or at the tour. So it was uh, it was grim, but it was um, it was good timing, I think. If you if you go to the tour, would have you been able to get through the stage? If it was a flat stage, oh, you man, made it I've through. thought about I've thought about this so much because like as I was laying there. I, I don't know. I definitely would have tried. Like, I definitely would have. But oh, oh, I don't want to think about it. I actually don't think I would have made it. <laughs> I couldn't get out of bed. I spent like 20 seconds out of bed. And I was like, oh, I need to get back. Are you in a hotel as there. well? Oh, yeah. We're in this uh, Hotel Alex. That's, there we go. It's hotel Alex is the name of it. It was hot. There was no air con. And uh, it was just your classic, like, race hotel. And uh, it was, yeah, it was, it had its moments. It was mm. warm as too. Yeah. What, what, they couldn't ship you home? Well, I couldn't, I couldn't travel. I could, you couldn't get on there. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't move. <laughs> and what, you and, want- the, you, you and half the team are just buckled in bed in this, this race hotel. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh. It was pretty, uh, pretty grim. Yeah. Oh, that's good though. We're back, back, back on the horse um, in the lead up. Mm. Um, your form, like just looking back on this year so far, like it seems like it's from the outside, it looks like it's all going well. Top tens here and there, GC uh, performances, like you said, in these one week races. Is are you happy with how it's gone from um, starting with the Australian summer? Yeah. Yeah, I am. I think if you, um, well, I'd never run top 10 in a world tour stage race ever. So to consistently run top 10, um, it's, it's nice. It's, mm. it's, it's, I think it's, I've shown that I can consistently be up there with, and every race has sort of been different opponents and different like competitors. Um, and I've still been up there. So like across, for, for me personally, I'm like, yeah, like it gives me a lot of confidence. Um, and, but you always obviously top 10 is nice, but it's a top 10. It's not a, it's not a win. It's not a, it's not a um, groundbreaking result. Uh, so I think for me, it's, it's a good sign. Like I, I'm happy, happy with it, but uh, you always want a little bit more. Mm. Do you, do you feel now like um, when you're climbing with, Carapaz and Roglic and that tier of athlete. Like, is it? Do you feel normal? Does it feel like I deserve to be here? I, I'm that. I'm at that level. Um, I guess you sort of just originally probably not. Nah, like I'd say Pioneers was a bit of a shock. Um, I, I was lucky. I always the team always had a lot of faith that I could climb with those guys and. And whatnot, but I guess for me personally, it was it was to actually think you can do it and actually do it two completely different things. And I didn't really know if I thought I could yet. Like I was like, uh, like I, I wanted to believe I could, but um, yeah, like I think just 
climbing with those guys, it's they're uh, they're so good that it's it's a pretty uh, surreal first off, I guess. Well, not surreal, but just a bit a bit intimidating is probably the right word. Mm. Um, but then I guess after after a while, you sort of just you get you just get used to it. Um, and and the, and at the end of the day, it's your, it's your job to be there. So you sort of uh, you yeah. want to be there, but also you need to be there. So um, I guess it's it's nice to, nice to be there, but um, you always want you always want more, I guess. When Carapaz went at Swiss, attacked the group. Like how how far off are you there? But what's the difference? Well, with guys like Carapaz and that. Uh, Carapaz and uh, like Podjica and Rogic is I think one thing they've got um, that makes a big difference on the climb is that you know like that 20 second 30 second kick that attack that they do their attacks are so fast um, that it's like that sort of makes a difference and it makes a lot of the time if you watch them like they go and then they sort of sit up and you know watch each other and then everyone from behind climbs back onto them and then they go again. And every time everyone's climbing back on, they're sort of sitting up, spinning the legs out, looking at each other, waiting for the next bloke to make a move. And everyone else behind's hauling ass trying to just get back up to them. <laughs> they get back up to them and then they just go again. Um, I'd say that's what makes them so so strong is that their, their attacks are so brutal that it, it puts everyone in a position where, you know, sometimes – people are having to work um, a lot harder to get to the same spot, but for a longer time, you know what I mean? If that makes sense. I don't know if mm. that makes sense, but they, they, a lot of the time they narrate the climb. They, they, they get to the bottom of the climb and they climb the what climb they, the way they want to climb it. A lot of climbs yeah. in there, but it's, yeah. they, they dictate the way you're going to go from point A to point B and, um, it puts everyone on the back foot a bit. And mm. the reason they can do that is because they're so good. <laughs> like mm. It's, not, it's not, uh, not everyone can do that. Um, and it's, it's exciting to watch because it's, from a spectator's point of view, there's some, some big haymakers getting thrown out there. Um, yeah. And it's, it's good racing. I think it was at Paris-Nice that you, you, would, you, would, you were on the offense. You are on the attack. There was a couple. Uh, there was Romney, a couple. Romney, maybe. Romney. One of them. Uh, yeah. One of them. Yeah. You're on the offense. Yeah. Attack, attacking the group of, of the GC favorites. It's like daunting once you get there. Like, see, so you've got like a 10, 20 second gap. You're just like, oh. Yeah. What, what if? Know. Like, am I, I'm going full noise here. What's going on behind me? I think it's a. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think after a while, you just get into the throw of it a bit and. Like you know what it's like at the end of races, you're sort of you're in the zone a bit. Um, you're not thinking too much. There's not a whole bunch of blood going upstairs, so it's <laughs> it's it's you're sort of riding off off feeling a bit. So like yeah, to be honest, I don't really think about it too much. I just want to try and uh, race the best climb I can, or climb or race, um, and that's all that really uh, really matters. There's not too much. Too much thinking going on. Obviously, you're not going to attack, or some guys do, but obviously you're not going to attack at really silly moments. Um, but when you do go, you sort of, yeah, you sort of just knuckle down, I guess, and just give it your best. Um, 
and sort of find your pace, which is sometimes nicer than actually sitting in in the bunch and, you know, like following wheels on climbs sometimes is it's not necessarily harder in terms of effort, but mentally it's a bit harder because you're going someone else's pace the whole time. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Do you get big energy because you know you're on TV? You know the camera's <laughs> staring at you. You're like, hello all at home. Hello, Ararat, I'm here, and Carapaz is chasing me down. No, I don't think it changes too much for me. But if you're running along a running track and you don't see anyone for five kilometres and then all of a sudden you see one, someone, it's like, oh, just give it a bit, give it a bit of a squirt. I've got to make look like I'm going good. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's watching. I th- yeah, I guess. I guess that's an element. Like, I guess what makes it what's more important for me is actually being a part of the race. You know, like, and, and part of that is being on TV. Sometimes it's nice to be like, I actually tried something there and or I actually tried to win that race and, and whatnot. And I think that's that's more of a motivation than getting on TV. But I guess getting on TV is also like showing the race. So if you're yeah, making the you, race. You're in the race. Yeah, exactly. So, But also that's yeah, just like important for your overall career. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's where I went, went wrong. I just became a, another number um, well, and, spent, I think that's, and spent three years just rolling around, <laughs> rolling around Italy. Well, I think I've probably been a little bit like uh, no one in the World Tour Peloton in my mind is like no one's another number. Everyone's, you know, doing their job, doing their role, and everyone's so good that it's, uh, it's, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, being a part of the race a little bit. Um, mm. And it, it's it's nice to be at the front end, the pointy end of the race. I think anyone would anyone would say that. Yeah, yeah. No, you don't want to be that. You want to be dragging your body up um, into the team bus last every single day. Yeah, yeah. Last the race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, it, unless, it, unless, but the thing is, is like unless you've unless your role is that, unless your role is to, yeah. to work for the first. Because then I think I think a lot of the time on TV that a lot of people miss is the run-ins to these climbs is nearly the hardest bit. It's it's a full gas effort to get into the bottom of the climb in front group. And if you don't have guys who are helping you be in the front on those climbs at the start, there's no way you stand a chance. You can't you can't correct it when you're mm. you saw uh, like uh, an example of like even like Roger get Paris when he crashed um, on the last stage and he was like 10 meters off the back of the peloton going into the last climb. That's the best guy in the world. He was dominating in the race. He was way better than anyone else there. Um, and he, and he couldn't get back on. Um, yeah. oh, he'd done a full gas effort beforehand, but it's like one of those things is like that, that job into the bottom of the climb is so important for guys like myself. Cause otherwise I've got no chance or you, maybe you can hang on, but you've just spent so many dickies. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's uh, it's super important. Like sometimes when you watch, like if you've done a stage and you watch the replay, and you're like, oh, "Geez, that looks like just lovely bike riding in the Swiss yeah. countryside heading into the bottom <laughs> of the climb." But uh, when you're in the pala, it's so hectic and so hard. Like just in the wheels, these big boys mm. when they wind it up, just in the wheels, it's like you just want the head down, just trying to get into it. Um, so yeah, is there a tactical nous as well, or is it just you just need horsepower? You just need happy and turbo just going wild on the front. 
Oh, there's definitely like some guys are tactically like, uh, you know, got it aced tactically and some people got the HP, some people got both. Like it's, I think it depends what you are. Like if you watch, it's, it comes down to HP like a lot of the time, if you can hold the road, hold your position on the road. A lot of times you see teams now, they'll hold, they'll pick their spot and they'll hold it. And there'll be the big guys on the front and they'll just be holding that spot, hold that part of the road. Even if it's not the quickest or the best way to get to the, like, you know, it's quite swirly and you're on the outside of corners and stuff like that. But they'll just hold it because it's just it's the most efficient way for the climber just to be in the one position, not worrying about everyone else. Um, but it's only sustainable for, you can't, you can't keep doing that. You can't do that for 30, 40K leading into a climb. You have to, you have to pick your time right and stuff. And that's probably where the, probably where the, the wits come in. Like you, you got to time it right that you're not mm. holding the road 40K out and then 2K out, you're at the back. <laughs> you know? It's not ideal. Is, it, is there a moment of relief when you, when you hit that climb and you're like, all right, now it's, it's kind of back in your control. It's out of this wild roaring peloton going into this um, probably small corner onto a, a categorized climb. It's like, it's, it's my turn now. It's just my legs talking. Yeah, I guess there's, a, there's always a, there's a settling down period on the climb. It's, it's quite funny how it works. It's, it's so hectic. And then, yeah, you hit the climb and it's like this, the dust just settles and everyone's just like, oh, we're here now. Yeah. <laughs> and then like you're sort of just like, oh, what was that all for? <laughs> we're going to just all arrive here. But yeah, I guess there is a bit on the climb. But at the same time, like most of the time, the bottom of the climbs is so hard. Like normally the bottom's the hardest bit because they just, everyone's ripping it. Um, mm. But yeah, it's, it's, it is nice when you finally hit a climb rather than on those flat rides. For you now as a rider, like, do you feel comfortable? Because I, I also imagine, like, it's a daunting thing, ripping down these normally downhill sections into a climb, 70-odd clicks an hour, um, pro peloton with, like, rock stars everywhere. Yeah. You now feel comfortable doing that, being that person? Yeah, I'd say my um, – I'd say, like, my positioning and everything. And I think that was one thing that I had to change – quite a bit this year was my positioning. Um, I'm normally quite uh, relaxed just sitting down the back and not all the time, but I have my moments where I just prefer to be at the back and sort of out of the, the mess of it all. And I think Paris was probably the first race where I really had to step that up. I had to be in position every time, even though I was probably one of the best Paris ever where it was sunshine every day and no wind. <laughs> So, like, I guess I changed that, um, and I and after after time, yeah, you feel more comfortable, and also I think you feel like you can do it more efficiently, um, which is which is more important. Where beforehand I was probably to be at the front, I was, you know, in the wind, pushing a lot of yeah. things. But I think it just comes after time, like in the pro pelo. Also, that's another thing. Like I'm fourth year pro now, so like I've sort of you sort of just get. Um, better and more accustomed to it over time Mm. a quick message from our apparel partner map if you are in the market for a new jersey they have got a new evolution of their pro base jersey one of their most popular garments to date the evade pro base jersey lightweight breathable same as other versions knitted in italian fabrics pre-dyed to stay true to color uh, and also includes their their honeycomb sleeve if you 
need a refresh, fresh that range of jerseys you've got at home. Uh, you want some new comfort and a transseasonal jersey. Uh, make sure you head to map.cc to check out their new range of the Evade Pro Base jersey. Now back to the podcast with Lucas. So, yeah. so as we head into the Tour de France, the biggest race of the year, what what's your role? Yeah, well, I'll uh, be GC riding GC. Um, we've got a quite a quite a like we've got a team with you know like two sort of goals. You know, we've got a uh, Esteban Simon and. Uh, and bling as our sort of like bling will obviously go for stages like those hard stages, which there's a lot of this year. I think. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you've looked at the first stage of the tour, of, or the first I, three I, almost. Yeah, it's uh, that first day is going to be going to be something else. Just shark tooth profile. Yeah, and hundred. It's going to yeah. So stress, I think, stress, peloton oh, first day of the tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to be uh, throwing the deep end pretty quick. Mm. Could have done. Could have done a cheeky like little like six seven k prologue or something. Start her off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just nice. to settle the nerves a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a uh, get a team in yellow. But uh, no, so we. I'll go in. It's my first. It's my first tour for a start. Um. So you know, I I can't have too high expectations, even though guys now they go in their first tours at twenty one years of age and win them. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh for my for me personally, I, I'm going there to, you know, try and uh, try and ride GC, but also experience, um, and you know, it's I want to also be part of a successful tour team. I that's like a main motivation. I want it'd be nice to come out of the tour and it be a successful one. Um, so I think yeah, like I was talking to someone the other day and. They were saying how like the Tour de France is if 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 everything's going well, it's the best race in the world to be a part of. But if nothing's going well, it's the worst race in the world to be a part of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the one that everyone cares about. It's the one that all the sponsors yeah. care about. It's the one that everyone's viewing. It's yeah. It's the race. Yeah. It's the event. Yeah, exactly. So uh yeah, it's uh it's gonna be an experience. Yeah, oh geez, GC at the GC at a grand tour. And at mm. the Tour de France, that's huge. Maybe yeah. Because have you have you had that pressure? Have you had that opportunity before to look look at a GC opportunity? What do you mean, like in a Grand Tour? Yeah. Well, I guess the Giro I, and the World Tour. No, I've just done the Giro. Just I've only done Giro. one Grand Tour. Finished one. I've started two. Finished okay. one. Last year we. Oh, you got COVID. pulled out because of COVID. Yeah. Um. And then the year before, I did the duo with, uh, mm. with Simon. Yeah. So uh, in a completely different role, just full support role, um, which which is yeah, I guess not heading into Grand Tour. No, I haven't. I haven't really had that. Last year, also heading into the duo, we had we had Simon who was who'd won Torino, was going really well. And then obviously, unfortunately, got got COVID. Um, so yeah, I think no, I haven't really had this role before in a yeah. Grand Tour. But I've been doing it all year at these, like this sort of like the pre-dress um, rehearsal heading in. I guess thinking about like the Olympics and the Olympic Village and there are some reports coming out about like people flying in five days before, sitting in a hotel for five days, doing their event and shipping straight out is, 
and being in Melbourne in Australia, we're back in lockdown, got a handful of cases. Uh, what's what's life over there like? And do you think it's going to affect the Tour de France and your overall experience there? Like, is it going to be, last year was like, how is this going to work? No, no one in the world understood how the Tour de France is going to work. The race director had it on like day three. The world was trying to sort it out. This year, from all reports, Europe looks like it's kind of got its um, race together, countries together. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess there's pretty much there's been a couple of races where teams have gone home, but it's never been there's never been a widespread. Um, and racing's it's not that far off normal. We all take extra precautions now, obviously, like we did last year. Um, and I reckon those those precautions will stay around post COVID. Also, if there is a post COVID, but like it's yeah, like uh, they I think they're going to become the norm a little bit more because. There's, I, I just, obviously, apart from what happened at Swiss, which is just super unlucky, um, I think there's a lot less sickness, a lot less spread of sickness getting around. Um, so, like, I think it's – I think we're just adapting um, mm. and we're just – races are now – I feel like everyone's getting used to – like, last year it felt like an effort all doing all those things, you know, like you, you – you weren't used to it. So you sort of like um, races and whatnot and all the extra precautions they needed to take felt like, you know, they're going at it like a bit more of an effort where now it's just like the norm. So it feels like it's just normal, like a normal season. Every race you go to, like everything you're doing, you've been doing now for a year. So it's sort of, you're in the, in the rhythm, in the routine of, of doing it. Mm. Um, Wearing a mask is normal. Like it's not, it's it's weirder when you got a mask off. Yeah, you know. So, it, like you're in Girona right now, you roll out onto the street. Do you wear a mask? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's just it's, indefinite. There is, nah, there's a bit of chatter. There is a bit of. I think they're gonna remove the mask outside, or I'm I'm not sure. I'd have to haven't really been paying much attention, but. Um, I think they are planning on getting rid of masks. I think the UK have they. I think they've got rid of masks now outside. They're, they're, um, they're, they're almost up to fifty percent vaccinated. Yeah, like they're, they're so like I think I think countries will follow that. Like I think they're sort of the first. They're a bit ahead of everyone, but um, yeah, I think they're not they're not planning on having that for always. Like always, I don't mm. think I don't really know my Spanish politics. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, uh, don't really know too much, so I assume they'll get rid of it at some point. But it, but I'm more talking specifically about the race environment. Have you thought about that now you are riding the Tour de France, um, that you are going to become like a cycling idol for younger kids? <laughs> I don't know if that's the case. I, 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 <laughs> I, I'm telling you, uh, you're riding the Tour de France. You're on TV. You're riding Mitchell and Scott. People actually know who you are. Yeah, I, I to be honest, I haven't thought of season really season thought. four, uh, not season four, season, season four of the four. podcast, um, season four of your career as well. <laughs> um, no, I don't, I don't, don't think I've really. Uh, I think uh, maybe I've got a bit more to do to become an idol, but um, I think it, I, I, I'm definitely aware that riding to Tour de France is 
is like a big step. Um, and like I was saying before, like just because my friends and family are like a lot more invested in like everyone knows what the tour is. Everyone's mm. it's it's one of the biggest sporting events in the world. Um, and to be a part of that and to be participating in it is yeah, it's I don't I I definitely uh feel uh like it's a really, really awesome opportunity and also like it's there's a little maybe a little bit more meaning behind it than than other races. Hmm. You're gonna have a town parade when you come back to Ararat over summer. I think you have to win the Tour de France <laughs> to get a parade. I don't think just participating is enough. Well, um, Ararat as a town has a rich cycling history. Has anyone ridden the Tour de France? No one has ridden the Tour de France. Yeah, there you go. No. There you we go. do have a rich cycling history though, but uh, yeah, no one's ridden the Tour. That'll be the yep. first. One last question from a sponsorship point of view: we. Like I mentioned off the top, new sponsor, the TAC, as part of the Road Belongs to Us All campaign, as part of cyclists need to do their bit, car drivers need to do their bit, pedestrians need to do their bit. Is there something that you take special caution of or something you're aware of every time you are riding all around the world, noting that you race in different countries on a week-by-week basis, you spend your summer in Oz? Yeah, it's... uh... I think there's little habits for sure that I've picked up along the way to stay safe. I'm always quite, I think uh, you've always got to be aware that potentially the person behind you, I will always wear a red light like on the back of my bike. Um, Garmin produces really sweet radar you put on the back of your bike. In the daytime uh, too? Yep, always. Yeah, always. It's, uh, it's yeah, it's quite a, quite a strong light, so. It's just good. You're, I think you always just going to assume the worst. Assume that the person behind you can't see you, so you got to do everything you can to to uh, to see you. If you've got the option of wearing a fluoro vest or something, I think something like that is like uh, super important. Um, and yeah, I guess it's it's it's, it's always easier for me because I can always ride. It's my job, so I can ride during the day mm. when it's bright. And that some people obviously after work and that have to ride quite late. So red lights and front lights become even more important. Um, yeah. Is there anything that annoys you that cyclists or car drivers do? One thing you could eliminate. One thing I could eliminate. Well, the thing is, I don't know. That's a hard question because every in Australia, like, in Australia. So when when you when you're hacking around um, Melbourne, um, I guess from a cyclist point of view, I think sometimes we're sort of a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think everyone's different. I think I think sometimes drivers need to be in less of a rush, maybe, um, and cyclists probably need to just have a little bit more awareness. Not everyone, just some, the minorities. Mm. Um, I think uh, the one thing, like the one way I always thought about it was like if you're in a car and you're driving along and someone in another car really annoys you or does something that really annoys you, you get angry doesn't mean you go and barge into that car or like, you know, do something silly to that car. Just doesn't mean you hate all car drivers now, you know? Yeah. And I think sometimes that cyclists got to like, just because a cyclist has done something that's really annoyed you, doesn't mean you need to put their life at risk. And also doesn't mean you need to now hate all cyclists and treat every other cyclist accordingly. Um, There's something about the access, isn't there? It's like, ah. Oh that car is just driving like 60 Ks an hour. It's going to turn left or right here or there. But if there's another guy in the bunch or 
or you're driving there's a cyclist on the side of the road that does something stupid you like yeah. it's you like you have this permission to give them a spray but it, it's hard. It's, it depends where you're riding also. If you're in the city, if you're in the country. Um, I remember Dave Sanders used to always say, that, you know, like city kids get hurt, country kids die. Because the country roads, are, they're quite um, fast. And in the city, obviously, everyone's going a bit slower, but there's a lot more traffic. Um, I think everyone's just got to be careful. Look after one another. Yeah, there we go. The wisdom. One, big, one big community. Yeah. One big, you know. Just look after each other. Just look after each other. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Every every cyclist has got a got a life, got family, got friends. Mm. Um, there's no need to put anyone's life at risk because you're driving because you're a little bit late for coffee with a maid or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's more serious reasons, but but uh, yeah, I think we've just got to you know look after each other. Well, you look after yourself with the Tour de France, Lucas. I'll try. Try. I tell you what, there's a bit of barging going on there, so. Is there a bit? Of, is there a few hairy decents? Uh, I assume so. I haven't really looked. Yeah. These Breton roads, you know what these Breton roads are like. Mm. Like you've done to Breton. Right, left, right. Yeah. Left, yeah. So right. It's like up, left, left, up, left, down, left, 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 right. Bomb into a left, up into yeah. a, up into a climb. So, yeah, I'm assuming it'll be stress. Uh, it'll be stress and hairy. There'll be a couple uh, put the seatbelt on and hang on a bit. Yeah. Um, but that's why everyone loves a tour, I guess, apart from probably the riders themselves. Yeah. <laughs> when they're, yeah. they're doing those hairy moments. Looks good on we, TV. But. Well, we were talking about this. We did an episode on Monday with Max and Campbell, which is about like cycling. One, We went back to basics. One, one of the things you talked about is like you don't just – you guys are not just good climbers. You don't just go uphill and that's it. You've got to get down the hill too, which has been yeah. – I think it feels like it's just – it's becoming more prominent. Um, guys, like – attacking on the decent trying to expose expose that weakness of some GC the thing now guys. isn't it you know people yeah, yeah people do it um we had to look yeah, at like, um um the other day when um movie star and astana just went whack on the downhill to try and expose richie yeah i didn't see that but they attacked the uh, downhill did, oh like, did, yeah 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 when, when g crashed yeah do you yeah. feel do you feel confident do you feel like you're like if, if someone went on the downhill you were like yep now i've got this no stress obviously not no stress but like i've got this i don't know i think i think you i i haven't been dropped on a d yet um in terms of like but i've also never had someone trying to put me under pressure on a d so mm. um we descended we, we descended pretty fast it's swiss actually um, a couple of times, Swiss has got some pretty fast Ds. I don't know. It's one of those things. Is like you, you have to you have to be able to descend as a GC rider, as anyone. You know, like you hear stories of like Cavendish and guys like this in the tour, and they're like, you know, on the verge of maybe getting time cut or whatnot, and they just their descending is just off chops. <laughs> you know, like they're taking time out of the front guys on these Ds, just like twos up. Yeah. Um, there's some pretty wild descenders out there and pretty, pretty talented bike handling guys. Like, and, and, and they, they, they always come out on TV. You always see them, you know, like it's not hard to think about who, when you think of descending, who you think about. Um, and I think as a GC rider, you've got to be able to hang on. You don't necessarily got to be able to drop guys, but you've got to be able to hang on. 
Um, otherwise, you can find yourself. And it's sort of like it encourages people, doesn't it? Like if they think you can't hang on, it encourages people to be aggressive on descents. I, I feel so sorry for Richie. Like ever since yeah. he had a couple of unlucky crashes in the tour. Yeah, exactly. I think just gets, it just he just gets attacked all the time. Yeah, <laughs> on the river. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's yeah he's really not a bad descender. He just I think it's just like this. Uh, whether they do it because of that or not, um, who knows? But it is a thing now. I don't know if they single out Richie or it's just generally they just maybe on the off chance that someone gets popped on a D. Why not? There's not much energy lost. Um, hmm. It's it's obviously annoying sometimes when you just, just prefer to ride. Yeah, like there. mentally, mentally, like you've just been busting yourself up this climb. You get to the top. Oh, beautiful top of the cat yeah. one, and then some teams are ripping it down the other side. You're like, just just give me a chop out for like five minutes while I'm yeah. trying to put my. You're trying to put your rain jacket on. You haven't had anything to eat. You got no food left. Yeah. And some yeah. teams just driving it down the other Drilling side. It. Yeah. yeah. It's like, um, I don't know if you watched Basque Country this year. Basque Country is a sweet race. It's like a good race to watch. And they went over this climb and Astana just went like full tilt over the top. And it was like a bunch of 30 or 40 and 10 guys came out the bottom and that was the race. <laughs> and Podjka and McNulty and all those were like caught behind in the second group. They're only like 10 seconds behind. Mm. But then the front group just drilled it and uh, that made the race. And it was like, I think Gordu and up winning the stage. But yeah, it's, it's, it's making, uh, sometimes it can make the race. Depends what decent, it has to be pretty technical and whatnot. But, um, guys, who, guys who win races from descents are pretty impressive. They Like when they, when they go down these hills and yeah. they can actually put time into guys and then come out the other side and have enough time to, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, because you know how good those other guys are. You're not like they're yeah. they're not some punter that learned to ride a bike two weeks ago that's struggling yeah, to go yeah. around corners. They're they're putting time into the world's best. Yeah, it's uh, it's a. I think some people are more gifted at it than others, but I think definitely the standard is descending is quite high. So guys who are stepping away from that, uh, pretty impressive. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time, Lucas. Um, congratulations you. on your Tour de France start. We look forward to following you over the next um, three weeks and, uh, yeah, the annual parade back into Ararat over summer. Perfect. Thank you for having me.